Today, we speak with homeopath Monica Froman in Austria, who loves treating humans as well as animals with homeopathy. I get so excited when we get to speak about using homeopathy with our animals on this podcast because animals truly respond so incredibly well to homeopathy. Just this week, I had amazing success with a chicken, which I thought there was no way she was going to survive the huge wound which she sustained. But amazingly, some aconite for shock and then some arnica and some of the Narayani war mix. And she has been healing beautifully and now back to her happy, healthy self. I still don't really know how she survived her injury, but it's just shown me once again how incredible homeopathy is for not just humans, but our animals as well. Be sure to join Monica's Facebook groups as well called Horses and Homeopathy. And she also has another one called Farm Animals and Homeopathy. And if you're not using homeopathy on your animals yet, I really hope this episode will inspire you to give it a go. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we speak with the lovely Monica Froman from Austria. Welcome, Monica. Hi. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. I think you're officially my first guest from Austria, although you lived in Canada for many years, right? That's correct. Yeah. Excellent. And you said that you do speak the lingo, so you you don't get too lost in Austria. That's right. I'm fluent in German, um, but I still think in English and I dream in English. (laughs) Well, oh, you dream in English. That is funny because (laughs) I I was raised in South Africa, so I it was our main language. I actually remember when I moved to New Zealand at 17, when I was about three years down the track, I had my first English dream. And I remember waking up thinking, oh, that was in English and how it's just continued in English from then. And how, when you talk to yourself or you think, or you think about things like, you know, what language, yes. is that also in German? It's always in English. Very, oh, in English. Very German. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Well, yeah. all I can say is, ich verstehe sie nicht. <laughs> Oh, okay, but I understood you perfectly. (laughs) Awesome. Now, um, tell us, Monica, how were you first introduced to homeopathy? Um, For me, it was, I had a long-term health problem that wasn't serious, but very annoying. Mm -hmm. And I'd been to many different doctors to try and have it resolved. And my last stop was at a doctor's office who had said he had seen a homeopath speak. And his words were, I don't know very much about it, but this guy really seemed like he knew what he was doing. And I think this might be the direction that you need to go in. So interestingly, I was I was directed to a homeopath from an allopath and I did go to see him then. And within, I would, I wasn't even better yet. As soon as I started seeing him in my very first weeks of my appointments, I knew that I wanted to be a homeopath. I always wanted to be in the medical field. Uh, but I didn't want to be in the allopathic world because I felt like we were seeing things like suppression and mm-hmm. lots of medications, but no resolutions and no cures. And but I, I always was so interested in the in the world of medicine. My dad was sort of had that kind of background. He wasn't a doctor, but he was a biomedical engineer. Mm-hmm. And then I saw then I decided to study psychology instead. And that wasn't quite right either. And then I went to see this homeopath and it was like the whole world opened up for me. It was a whole new experience. And it was, I think the big reason why it grabbed me even before I knew I was going to be better was because it was the first time 
a doctor took the time to very to listen to me and really hear what was going on with not just my health concerns, but my specific, not, not the specific health concern, but everything, the whole, the whole package. And that's so rare. And it really struck me that that was going to be what I needed to do. And then um, within a couple of months, my health issue resolved and I never looked back. I looked for a school right away where I could study and it went on from there. That is so cool. And you studied in Canada, right? I did. I studied at the Canadian College of Homeopathic Medicine, which at the time when I graduated, it was still called the Toronto School of Homeopathic Medicine. It was very much smaller and wasn't a college yet. I actually had an email just this week from a listener that said they're in Canada and they are studying at the Canadian College of Homeopathy. So yeah, that was really cool. Very cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And your psychology background would have been great for your homeopathic studies, I'm guessing. It was. Um, I, I didn't complete the degree because I was very into it in the first couple of years in where they were teaching a lot about psychology. And then the third year was a lot of psychiatric nurses in the class. Mm. And it all of a sudden turned into psychiatry and not psychology, where we were d- discussing drugs and side effects and how to prescribe and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then I, I, I knew it wasn't going in the direction that I wanted to go in. So I used what I had from that. And then I just progressed on to, to homeopathy. Amazing. Now, you also have a special interest in using homeopathy on our furry and scaly and feathery friends. Can you tell us a little bit about what got you interested in that? Well, I've always been an animal lover. And as a child, I always thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. And when I finished high school, I even worked for a vet for a year. And I remember the vet who had been in business for something over 30 years saying to me, be careful about becoming a veterinarian. You may end up doing nothing but doing spays, neuters, and treating flea problems for the rest of your life. I got the sense from him that he was bored in his practice, which was very unfortunate because he was a very nice man and had a huge heart for animals. But I took it to heart and I left it be for a while and circumstances in life didn't allow me to go to study immediately anyways. And then when I discovered that you could treat animals with homeopathy, well, I thought, well, that's like the best of both worlds. I can treat humans and animals. And I kind of made a name for myself a little bit in Canada because there aren't that many people who do treat animals and feel comfortable with them. And knowing the various species, I grew up with dogs, cats, rabbits. I had a pet goat as a child. We had horses growing up. And I think that even if you're not a veterinarian, just like as a uh, homeopath for humans, you don't need to be a medical doctor, but you do have to have an understanding of the pathology and the pathophysiology. And as an animal lover, I, and as a horse person, especially, I think you start to learn that stuff um, very early on, because even as a lay person, when you have a horse on your farm or you, uh, and the horse is sick, the vet will leave you with medication, syringes, learn, you learn how to draw blood at an early point, point in your horse ownership. These are things that a horse vet leaves you with, which you would never do if with a small animal. So you get to have a great deal of knowledge that develops as a result of that. Plus, I mean, just, you know, the research you do over the years and learning what's common to an animal and so forth. Amazing. And I think you mentioned that you also have a Facebook page that help people with treating their animals. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, we have a couple of groups that I am involved in with three other professional homeopaths. um, And we're sort of all over the world. And one of the pages is called Horses and Homeopathy. And the other page is called Farm Animals and Homeopathy. And for both of those pages, we try to be sort of, we try to have homeopaths that were in 
different time zones so that if there was an issue that came up or an emergency that came up, you could reach out for a homeopath and help get help pretty much within a few hours as a result of being in different time zones. And uh, all of us have a passion, especially for horses, but for animals in general. And we help people to understand what remedies that they can take on their own or give on their own by asking for a few questions so that they can look into the remedies on their own. And if it gets to something beyond an acute case, then we ask that they make an appointment so that uh, we can help them in a in a more in-depth way. That's amazing. Can you maybe share with us a little bit about what are some of the most common questions that you get asked in the group and what are some of the most common remedies that you end up uh, recommending in the group for various complaints? Well, some of the most common questions about horses tend to be about things like colic. That's the mm-hmm. one of the biggest complaints in animals, in horses, um, and, and the, one of the most dangerous illnesses and ailments. Horses that colic frequently, that's more of a chronic problem, but for acute issues where, you know, the horse got into the grain bin or had too much grass or had an exciting event that upset its stomach, we see remedies like lycopodium, noxvomica, carbovegetabilis, sometimes belladonna. Those are the ones that come up most frequently frequently for that. Then we have issues around injuries, which, you know, pretty much everyone in the world knows Arnica, who is in the world of homeopathy. Big one, you know, Arnica, Rostox, Ledum for puncture wounds. We have a lot of people who complain about parasites on the skin. So we have sweet itch and rain rot and sarcoidosis. That's a fairly common one that comes up. And those are more that, well, you know, for the puncture wounds or bug bites and that sort of thing, we have the ledum, maybe silica, apis for bigger bites and stings. But for the things like sarcoidosis, we'd like to take a case because there's a lot mm. of history there and, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. And, you know, injuries, sprains and strains, arnica, mm. rostox, that kind of thing. I've had a couple of questions in my group this week with uh, poisonings, uh, accidental poisonings of animals. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got our beautiful remedies like arsenicum that's just so amazing for that. But you know, homeopathy is amazing. The other thing we have in Australia, I don't know if you have that in Austria, but uh, now and again, we'll get snake bite inquiries, but, you know, can have use yeah. homeopathic remedies for that. And somebody told me that's about $2,000 here if you had to get the snake antivenom for your dog. So if you can use like a $10 homeopathic lacosis remedy to help that animal instead, uh, certainly makes it a bit easier on the budget, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And I actually did treat a horse in Australia on through the group who had been bitten by a, an undefined snake, something, I can't remember the name of it that they thought it was, but it was, the horse was very poorly and mm. they thought it was going to die. It had already been given the antivenom. It wasn't responding and it was, it had lost tremendous amounts of weight, was bleeding from all the orifices. Mm. It was just a terrible, terrible case. And it responded beautifully to Crotalus horridus ah. and really, really uh, totally recovered and is now put, I'm still in touch with the lady. The horse has re- regained weight. It has a shiny coat. There seems to be a small amount of paralysis that's left in the lower left side of the lip, but mm. it's getting better. So hopefully it'll resolve completely. So now her, his tongue hangs out a little bit on the left side, makes Aww. him kind of cute. Aww. But, <laughs> But he's fully recovered. He's eating well, drinking well, and the vets were astounded. They had no idea what to make of it because they were pretty sure the horse was going to have to be put down. Amazing. I know about a vet. I'm not even going to say location or anything because he, and, and it's from a really 
a good friend of mine and she was saying how this vet told her that he only ever uses homeopathic remedies for snake bites here in Australia. He doesn't even use antivenom and he has such incredible success for that. And yeah, it is really expensive if you have to purchase that antivenom. And obviously we'll do yeah. anything for our pets and no amount of money will be spared because, you know, we love them so much. But if there is a, right. a safe and more importantly, effective way that and cheap way that you can do it, then why wouldn't you give it a try at least? So. For That's sure. Always my mantra with homeopathy. Just just give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you the one thing I always try to tell people too is, you know, they'll see people will say to me, Well, I I don't really believe in it. And I'll say, You don't have to believe in it. It'll mm. work anyways. It doesn't matter at all. <laughs> it doesn't matter. A horse can or a cat or a rabbit or a, I've even put a homeopathic remedy in a fish tank before. Oh. And as if that fish knows it's getting a remedy, it has no idea. Absolutely. And it's, they respond so beautifully. It makes no difference whatsoever. There's, and I, I completely do also disagree that with the possibility that it's a placebo effect, because again, the animal cannot know that they're getting a remedy. Absolutely. Speaking of which, have you got some case studies maybe of treating animals that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I could do that. I recently had a, a dog that I was treating who had a very, very severe case of uh, skin eruption all over the body. And I like to always discuss as homeopaths, we're kind of like, um, we always have to look at the whole picture. It's not just about just prescribing the remedy. You have to look at nutrition and hygiene and exercise and all that kind of thing. So we had determined that he had a very good diet. They had taken all the allergens out of the diet and yet still he wasn't responding. And he was just raw and had no hair at all. It was just awful and so itchy and so uncomfortable. And I took the case and he was a very boisterous, uh, boundaryless dog who would just get in your face and love you like crazy, but also very easily frightened and very startled by loud noises, absolutely terrified during thunderstorms, had a very, very high thirst for cold water. And the family always had, they knew he would look at his bowl and look at the family and then look at the bowl and look at the family <laughs> member. And then they knew, okay, the water's not cold enough. They had to go and put, you know, either freshen up the water or they sometimes wow. would even put ice cubes in it. <laughs> and it was such a beautiful picture for phosphorus. Mm -hmm. So we gave him phosphorus and he had, um, it, it depends on the situation. We don't always dose daily. As you know, sometimes we dose once a week, once a month. It totally depends on the symptoms. So the instructions were to give one dose one time see how the symptoms were, if the itching improved, great. If it started to come back, repeat the remedy. So as it turned out, they needed a remedy dose about every three days. And over the period of about a month, his hair, you could see this hair starting to grow back in. He wasn't scratching anymore. It's been several months now and he's completely full of hair. I wish I could show you pictures. Aww. And he's completely happy and itch-free. So it's a very good res result. That but is also so cool. Yeah, it is. It, and it's so rewarding. Mm -hmm. And I find that treating animals is sometimes even um, more effective, more quickly effective, let's put it that way, than treating humans. Because in humans, we, we do so many other things that make our system so toxic that it becomes a bit more of a, a hunt for the right remedy, if you want to put it that way. Um, so, because you got to work through all the other things that are happening first. 
and the dog doesn't care about the, you know, political status or the world, you know, state of affairs or what they're going to have for dinner next week. So they are probably not quite as complicated mentally as us. So I Absolutely think right. And, yeah. and I think that um, as a result, you know, if you already are helping an animal who is owned by a person who is open to homeopathy, they're already doing so much to make mm. sure the stress level is okay. The exercise is right. So you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a different world entirely. As I get human patients, I tend to notice that people come quite often once they're at their wits end, they don't know what else to do. But as for animals, they come to you as a preventative sometimes even, or, or far earlier in the disease, because these, some of the veterinary options are so costly that they think, okay, well, maybe if we try this route, this will help. And I can avoid the chemotherapy or the surgery or whatever that might be. And often that's the case. Mm-hmm, amazing. And, you know, the animal doesn't know that you're taking him to a vet who is going to help him. The animal just sees you leaving him somewhere and people doing stuff to him. So it can be so traumatic. So if you can avoid that visit, then, you know, why wouldn't you? But um, when you were saying about the photos, I thought that uh, I just mentioned I have got a Facebook group. I've just started. Uh, this is the first time I've mentioned it on here, but it is in the in some of the intros of some of the episodes. It's called Hobby Up With Hangout Facebook group because podcasting is very lonely. So you put all this information out there and it's just crickets. You don't hear anything back. I think if I had a YouTube channel or something like that, at least you get some comments, even rude comments, you know, something just to get something back. But on a podcast, it's just crickets. You don't know if people are actually enjoying your content. You might see the numbers go up now and again, but it's very lonely. So I now have a Facebook group called Homeopathy Hangout Facebook group. And, um, It'll be great to add you in there and put your before and after photos on there because the whole idea with a group is to get keep the discussion going after our initial chats mm-hmm. and um, after the show. So yeah, if you ever do have those photos to share, that'll be wonderful to put it in the group. And so absolutely, I would love to do that. Yeah, I always say picture paints a thousand words, and I once had a before and after picture of a client I treated for eczema and. I mean, I was so busy after I posted those photos because a a picture doesn't lie. You can see the before photo, you can see the after photo, and especially with the animal, there's no placebo involved. So, Yeah, and and when you can illustrate something like the skin, which is so blatant, that really speaks a picture, as you say, a picture speaks a thousand words. I've also got um, a a pony that I was treating not that long ago with a disease called Cushing syndrome. Mm. And there are lots of different symptoms that go along with Cushing syndrome, including laminitis, which is, um, it's called, the late term is founder. I don't know if everyone's familiar with it, but just briefly, it's because of the problem with the metabolism, the, Mm. the feet have a pulsating and a swelling of the lamina, which is the lining of the hoof. And it, because it's, it's kind of, you can liken it to the brain that's enclosed in the skull, it, the swelling is prevented from being allowed to expand because the, the, the bone is in the way or the, mm. the hoof, line, uh, hoof wall is in the way. And so as a result, uh, this swelling causes all kinds of problems, including uh, eventually that the coffin bone, which, which is the bone that goes down into the hoof, mm. will rotate and turn and actually can protrude out of the bottom mm. of the sole of the foot, which... Uh, most of the time ends in euthanasia. That's mm-hmm. one of the many complications of Cushing syndrome. At, at the early stages, it's not just the laminitis. It's also like uh, coats that don't shed well, mm. uh, excessive thirst, excessive urination, um, and diarrhea. So I have this, I really have a before and after picture of a pony's butt, which is like covered in diarrhea. And then the same pony, 
a month later that is completely clean with a shiny white tail and, and it's a white pony. So it's really, really obvious. Wow. And um, I could, yeah, I would, and he's responding also very beautifully to the homeopathic remedy. That is so beautiful. And of course, you have an international practice, right? Like people around the world can consult you for their animals and themselves. That's correct. Yeah, I have um, a virtual practice, which grew after moving to Austria, but then especially after COVID, because that was the one way you could still work is if you did it online until things got sorted where you could go back to work. So it's been growing tremendously. And I always like to see if I can uh, I'll do the appointments over Zoom or whatever video way of doing it is. And if the animal wants to be a part of it, then the animal will stand in the screen too. Um, but also I'll just have people send me pictures or if I treat kids, you know, I'll have the the mom or dad send me a photo because I do like to get a visual as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. That helps a lot, but it's totally doable online. Mm. It is. Hey, I always get my clients to just WhatsApp me a little video of the child and or, or I don't treat animals, but just to yeah, really see that energy. Because the thing is, we can pick up a lot of stuff that you as the parent or the owner of that pet will not be able to pick up because it's, it'll just be something normal for you that you wouldn't even think is strange or unusual. But as homeopaths, there's all sorts of fine little details that we'll be able to to pick up and the more information that we have and the more videos we get to see if we can't see them actually in the online consult the easier I find it for sure yeah and it's so funny too because you know I call myself a homeopathy geek or a homeopathy nerd because yeah I go, I go around in, in the world looking at life as a homeopathy and I'll see somebody with this this thing or I'll hear somebody say a certain symptom and I'd be like oh even if I don't say it out loud I still know and it's so brutal I go on vacation and I always have my first aid kit of about 65 remedies and I've been on vacation and seen things happen to people either food poisoning or severe sunburn or an injury and I'll go up to complete complete strangers and be like I'm a homeopath and if you're interested I have this remedy would you like to give it a try it's so bad I can't my husband's like oh my gosh this again right but it's it's so wonderful to see it and I just I, of course, I don't ask for money or anything like that. It's because of how wonderful homeopathy is. You mm. just are willing to, to do that and let people know about it and make the world aware of it. Now, speaking of being an advocate for homeopathy, this might be a good little segue into the World Council of Health. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how are you involved for that? Uh, so very recently, I mean, I've been following the World Council for Health for some time now, and we have another, um, I have another homeopath colleague who is the organizer of Bright Light News, and he arranged for me to be interviewed by the World Council for Health to speak about homeopathy and to try and give homeopath homeopathy and homeopaths around the world a voice. So that people recognize that it's an option for acute and chronic health issues, not just for people who are, the, the impression has always been over the years, not so much now anymore. But when I first yeah. started, people expected me to have, you know, an incense burning in my office and I'd be barefoot <laughs> in my, my Birkenstocks or whatever. <laughs> and, then, you know, I mean, not to... I mean, I have Birkenstocks, no question, yeah. but I don't wear them at the office. And I wanted to make sure that, or try and help to be, get people to understand that homeopathy is there for all different types of health concerns from the common cold to cancer 
and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And it's been um, a godsend for treating COVID symptoms, preventing COVID, and for treating long COVID. And we have a large group of homeopaths who are involved in doing that. And we're just trying to get the word out even more that mm-hmm. that is an absolute option. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And what would you say to the listeners out there who would like to give you a hand in spreading the word on homeopathy? Are there any any advice that you would give them? Um, I think if they are already patients of homeopathy, they should share their experiences as much as mm-hmm. they can. Um, while the closed groups on Facebook are amazing because it gives you lots of areas to look at things in a private or a confined space, mm-hmm. it doesn't let everyone else around you know about it. And I think it's important to remember that we can't influence everyone and the people who are completely against it, you just have to let that be because mm-hmm. those people, you're not going to change their minds and you can't get upset about it if, they, if they're not willing. But talking about it, talking about your experiences with it, talking about it on social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, um, join the groups that are open groups and talk about it as much as you can. If you see a homeopath, hand out their business cards, you know, stuff like that and and share it with your medical practitioner if it's Mm. at all possible. Talk about it with your doctor, dentist, veterinarian. Some of them are more open than you might expect. And doing that will start to help people understand how useful it can be. Mm-hmm. I, I have done a, a sort of a very, it's an anecdotal study. It's not a scientific study, but I, I started using homeopathic remedies to prevent COVID at the very beginning of the pandemic and gave a number of people the remedy and followed 116 people with their consent and saw how well they managed to get through the times when it was extremely contagious. They had been Mm -hmm. exposed. There were other members in the family who had not taken the preventative remedy, who had gotten sick and the the family member who had taken it were helping those people, Mm -hmm. feeding them, bringing them things, totally exposed and still didn't get COVID. So there's so many areas in which, and and I think too, that the people who are in regular homeopathic care are just generally healthier and have a stronger immune system. So are less susceptible anyways to getting Mm. sick or getting severe illness. Mm. So just putting that out there, letting people know about it, that's, I think, the thing that is lacking. Mm, I love it. That is so good. Judged for it. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, all we can do is plant seeds. You know, you might be the first person who mentions homeopathy to, you know, person X, Y, Z, and they might just think, oh, this person's completely nuts. But then somebody else might come along and mention homeopathy and then they go, wait, that other person mentioned it to me. And then a third person might come along. So, you know, you never know where along that line you are with planting the little seeds. So I always yeah say the same, just, just plant those seeds and then don't get upset if it doesn't land on soil because you don't know when that soil is going to be ready for that seed to sprout. So yeah, just get it right. out there. Mm. And uh, Monica, how can people get hold of you if they want to make a booking or find out more or join your Facebook groups? Uh, how do how do they do that? Well, my website is um, from www.fromanhomeopathy.com. And Froman is spelled F-R-O-H-M-A-N-N, homeopathy.com. You can email me at Monica at FromanHomeopathy.com. And you can find me on Facebook under, you know, Monica Froman, um, Mm -hmm. Froman Alberger, which is, you know, my my married name. Um, Yeah, reach out. Even if it's just for questions, you don't have to book an appointment necessarily. Anything Mm -hmm. I can do to help get the word out there for homeopathy. 
I'm all for it. That's amazing. And any final message that you want to share with our listeners? Wow, I'm being put on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, want to make I just want to make sure that you know there's not, not like a final thing that you like a burning thing that you want to say, and then I've cut you off. So yeah, no, just, no, not at all. But I will. You know, I think it's important for me to mention. I mean, we've talked about animals a lot. I do treat humans. About eighty percent of my practice is humans. Twenty percent is animals. Um, it doesn't matter the size of a person um, or the size of an animal. It's not about uh, it's not about the size of the dose. It's about the vitality of the individual mm-hmm. that helps us to choose a remedy. So um, just just try it. That's my message. <laughs> just try it. <laughs> That's the best message out there. I, I completely agree. Just try it. Yes, yeah. Can't go wrong. Wonderful. Um, Monica, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was lovely to connect with you. I really enjoyed it myself. And thank you so much for having me on your show. Such a pleasure. Chat soon. Bye. Okay, bye-bye.